0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the Parma podcast. It's really great to be with you all. Um, really excited about today's guest. Uh, she's a friend of mine, somebody I've known for quite a while, uh, and she's uh, really inspiring. Um, just yeah, an amazing person. Um, Sarah Fader, welcome to the podcast.
1: Oh, that's so nice, James. You're the best. I'm so glad that you are a great friend of mine. I love you. <laughs>
0: Sarah says she loves me all the time. It's really great. Um, but I do,
1: I do love you. Do you love me?
0: Yes. Uh, yes. As so, a friend. Yes. Uh,
1: yeah, of course. No, but I, no. That's what I mean. I love you. You're amazing. Yeah. But I, but I also, I say I love you to people that I actually love because there are a lot of people I do not love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm so glad to be here. I just wrote a book uh, about helping people get through depression. It's called The Depression Workbook, and I'm super excited. Actually, James, I have to send you a copy.
0: Yes, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Um, Sarah, so, Sarah does a lot. Just to introduce Sarah, she does a lot of work with um, mental illness, depression, anxiety. and She's had like this hashtag go absolutely viral. This is what anxiety looks like. I think that's what it was. Is oh, right? yeah. This
1: is, this is what anxiety yeah. feels like. Exactly. It is the feels longest like hashtag ever.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and it went viral. And it got her an article in the New York Times. Am I right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she does a lot of mental health advocacy. And she's very open and vulnerable and honest on social media. And, um, yeah, really courageous. So we're going to talk about mental illness. We're going to talk about the depression workbook. We're going to talk about living with mental illness and um, how we can beat some of the stigma. Um, and as somebody who has anxiety and is highly sensitive and probably has some other stuff going on in my head um, in terms of mental illness, uh, this is a really important subject for me as well. So, right. Um, yeah, so Sarah, tell us a bit about you and about your story.
1: Uh, so I actually grew up with panic disorder. And I, I was sort of aware of what that was, but I grew up in the 90s and we didn't talk about anxiety or panic because I thought, you know, I couldn't, I thought I was weird and I didn't want people to think that I was a freak. And so I just kind of hit it and my anxiety was so bad I was vomiting every day when I was in the senior year of high school because wow. I couldn't eat anything and I was constantly had thoughts racing and... Uh, The other thing I didn't know that I had was OCD. And I was only recently diagnosed with that. But, yeah, anxiety ruled my life. So did depression. I was, you know, passively suicidal for many years when I was Mm. in high school. And by the time that I turned 18, I was mentally and physically exhausted. Even though I was in therapy, it was helping to some extent. And I remember my therapist saying, I I kept saying, "I'm, I'm in so much pain. I wish there was a pill I could take to stop this. And she was like, unfortunately, there is no magic pill. But I was, like, thinking in my head, my dad has, he takes Prozac. I mean, I don't understand. Mm. So, yeah. Um, But, yeah, so I I eventually decided when I was 18 to see a psychiatrist and I got on Prozac. And it helped me for a a long time. But, Mm. you know, with medication, there's always sort of this thing where it works for a while and it stops working Mm. and et cetera. And so, you know, I felt like, I don't know, I just, it was, it was just hard. It was hard to find the right medication. And also I was not, I didn't have the proper diagnosis. Mm. So I just felt like it was, it was difficult. It was difficult. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I, but I finally, you know, when I had children, I started thinking that I when they, you know, if they ever had mental health issues and now my son is having some, He has OCD and anxiety and possibly something else. I wanted them to be able to speak candidly about their mental illness so that they uh, didn't feel like, like they had to be in shame or hide in shame like I did. And I think that the dialogue is changing now and people are more open about talking about these things. But for me, it was really hard to open up, even though I've seen in mm. these blogs, you know, people talking about being on Zoloft or Prozac or whatever, and being bipolar and trying lithium. And mm. I think that it's yeah. it's changing. And so when I finally, when I had kids, I said, you know, I'm blogging for Huffington Post and I'm going to finally come out of the closet and talk about living with panic disorder. So I wrote this article called Fighting Against the Stigma of Mental Illness, And the first sentence was, I have panic disorder. And it was the first time I'd ever said it. And it was sort of this coming out of the closet type of situation. And I felt like a weight lifted off my shoulders. I could finally, finally talk about it. And then I had this really weird experience one day after I wrote that. I was walking down the street and this guy came up to me. And I I believe in these kinds of things, these like, like signs. And he said to me, the work that you're about to do will stop people from splitting their wrists. And I was like, what? I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't Mm. understand. And then lo and behold, a couple months later, I started Stigma Fighters. And Stigma Fighters started as a blog series where people wrote a thousand word essays about living with mental illness. And they started because I reached out to people in the blogging community, because I have a lot of friends in the blogging community that that were open about their struggles anyway so i knew that they would write their story and some people were really into it and some people were like i don't have time to write for free which is understandable but i think for me the whole thing with stigma fighters is that it's not about making money from blogging it's about really owning your truth and telling your story and helping people i wanted to show people that they were not alone and that's why i started writing Mm. about mental illness so that i could fall on my sword and say hey it's hard for me to talk about this, but I'm doing it. And if we continue to do that, then we're going to change the dialogue. And with Stigma Fighters, I started as a blog series, and then I met my business partner, Allie Burke, who is a best-selling author and also blogs for Psychology Today, like me. And we formed Stigma Fighters into a nonprofit organization, and we have a wonderful board of directors. We have Sarah Comerford, who is the vice president and we have Courtney Kizzee, um, who is the administrator and runs the website in terms of posting articles. And she is also affiliated with uh, Stigma Fighters Teen, which we haven't we haven't been uh, revisiting often. But she's very anti-bullying. Um, oh, I, I apologize. I actually misgendered Courtney. She she identifies as non-binary, so they are very. Uh, passionate about anti-bullying campaigns. And when I met Courtney, I felt a, a camaraderie with them. I felt like, you know, we both have PTSD, complex PTSD. She, uh, I I mean, sorry, they have been through abuse, which is different from me. Uh, they have been through childhood sexual abuse, and they are very open about that. Uh, but the point is that we have, and Sarah is, is amazing. She is an American sign language interpreter. She is one of the most lovely people in the world. Um, she is a profound, mm-hmm. phenomenal writer. She doesn't give herself enough credit, but yeah, together, all of us, the four of us have formed this very unified, um, Strong, strong human being team, and we publish anthologies of the essays from stigma fighters, and we have three books of uh, that compile the essays of these different people talking about living with mental illness, and we have a fourth on the way. So, James, I hope that you will write for stigma fighters and include your essay in the anthology.
0: Yeah, I I keep meaning to write for stigma fighters. I keep I've like, this is like a long held promise have been talking. How long have we been talking now? About a year. Oh my god,
1: like a year, maybe
0: a yeah, year and a half. Yeah, and uh, and, I, and I and even when I first talked to you, I said I want to write stick fighters. and I still haven't got around to it. Yet. Um,
1: well, would you um, would you also write about having As- Aspergers? Like I feel like that would be helpful too. Yeah, I mean,
0: I yeah, I've not been diagnosed with um, with with that um, and my doctor told me to go and see a therapist when I asked them if I could have a test for it, um, which is nice of them.
1: Um, Absolutely, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um,
0: like, and, and I would be high functioning, and you know, it's, I wouldn't compare myself to people who have really bad asperges or, or you know, but even autism, you know what? Even but,
1: talking about that, even talking um, about like the doctor recommending that, I think is interesting. I mean, I was misdiagnosed with bipolar for a while, and I uh, I didn't want to identify with that label. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, my nurse practitioner, my psychiatric nurse practitioner, I said to her, I don't want to be bipolar. And she said, nobody wants to be anything, which I feel like is true. Do, what do you think about that statement?
0: Nobody wants to be anything. Um, yeah. I, the thing is, we don't get a choice, do we? We don't get a choice about this is what people understand. I, I try to explain to people. It's like it's, it's in our brains. Um, this is just how our brains are wired. Um, and the right. only thing we get to choose is how we respond to that, um, right. and it's a big, big difference. Um, yeah, it's a big difference. Um, exactly. And people yeah, don't often and I mean, I think it.
1: that's that's a it is. Uh, it's it's a big difference. Um, uh, it, it's hard for people, I think, it, to uh, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it's hard for people to accept the fact that they have something that they consider a flaw. Mm. You know, I feel like that's the thing is some people view mental illness as like some sort of a flaw, like like they did something wrong or like they're defective. Mm. I mean, everybody has some level of something that causes them to feel different or something that causes them to feel like they don't belong. Mm. Um, if, If they don't do that, if they don't if they don't feel that way, then they are to me. They're in denial.
0: Yeah. Yeah absolutely yeah and yeah i i it's, it's, there's so much stigma around mental illness and like and you see it, and to be honest i think when we the week the week we we're recording this uh, just for context we've had the shootings in florida and um yet again we have people coming out just like saying it's all about mental illness and it's all mental illness's fault and you know and it's you know um the And that's just... There's a lot of of ignorance, I think. And some of it is just plain, flat-out ignorance. It's just horrible. Some of it's people just don't... Some people just don't know. um, And they care. But they don't don't know. It's just a lack of understanding. No, that's...
1: Yeah. What do do you think... So let me ask you this. Like, what do you... Oops, I messed my camera up. Sorry. What do you think um, it is about people not understanding mental illness and the shootings? And, like, what kind of generalizations are they making? In your opinion,
0: I think they. I think there's, a, there's this kind of. It seems to me that right. th- that people think that uh, if you've got a mental illness, then you are a threat to people, and mm-hmm. somehow it's your fault and you're a bad person, um, which is completely not true. Um, yeah, I mean, like you know, I mean, I I get frustrated when. Things come up suddenly that are out of my control, which are not very nice things. Um, yeah. Like because I guess get I get a bit, and it's my, my brain just feels a bit put out, you know. And sometimes I don't know how I come across to people when I'm in social situations, and I can't quite read social situations. Um, you know, I've had to, I've actually had to learn these things and actually teach myself these things, but I still get it wrong, and it's not. And I'm not aware of it. It's not. It's just how my brain works. Like being highly sensitive. People right. think. You know, people go like, "Oh, well, why are you being a drama queen? Why are you making self the centre of attention?" Just yeah. Just it's all about you, 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 you. And it's like, no, that's not the point. That's not what. It's my my brain feels violated more easily than yours does. And when you're just joking around, I might think it's really really funny, and might know it's only a joke, and know it's know it's really funny. But something inside of me is getting really upset by it and it's just yeah I, to...
1: oh, well you know that i understand that i mean yeah, I that's something do, yeah. that we, we we share that high, highly sensitive quality in fact i don't know if you know this but sakina the muslim hippie and i are doing a book club uh starting march 1st and we're reading the highly sensitive person
0: wow really uh yeah that's so, awesome. so you
1: should get it get the book and and we will uh, we're tweeting about it i think i have the book you probably do. I mean, everybody who has highly high sensitivity is, is like they're everyone tells them to read that book. It's one yeah. of those things.
0: Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I mean to me, I feel like it's like a blessing and a curse. It's mm. a blessing and a curse. I, I I feel like, you know how do I explain this? When, the days when you're feeling really sensitive and you're crying or you're feeling hurt or you feel like not understood, those are hard days. Mm. they're hard. Like you just said, like you think like you, the person thinks they're joking and you're like, yeah, that's not fucking funny. You know what I mean? It's, it's mm. like, yeah. no. And, and the worst, like you, like you were saying kind of, right. It's like, if you are saying, okay, you might not understand why it hurts me, but you don't need to, mm. maybe you don't need to. Maybe if I explain it to you and you still don't get it, just accept that it hurts my feelings. Mm.
0: Cause it's like being violated. That's what it is. That's what it yeah. feels like. Yes. It's like you know, uh, it's it's un it's unintentional emotional emotional abuse, in a sense. Uh, yeah.
1: No, I agree. I agree. Sometimes it's that um, bad. But I mean, you know, it's 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 like with anything, right? If somebody is like, oh, whatever, stop being so sensitive, or you know, it's it's the same thing as if you had anxiety and somebody was like, just get over it, stop being so nervous, stop stop freaking out, stop mm. being so dramatic.
0: Yeah. That's right. Um, so
1: with, I just want to talk about the depression workbook for a minute because yeah, I, was I, what, I, just,
0: people... I was literally about to ask you about uh, that uh so tell okay, us about so this.
1: what wait go, go ahead you go ahead
0: you yeah, just tell us about the depression workbook because it's it's just it's recently come out hasn't it and it's um it's really really awesome I want to encourage everyone to to get this book um so did I
1: send te- you the p- did I send you the pdf, you the PDF I, I yeah
0: but I haven't got okay. a hard copy um okay not yet. um so tell us about this book and what why you wrote it and what it's what it's for and how it can help people.
1: Okay. So first of all, let me just say, if you're listening to this right now, tweet James and me, like when, when this goes up, when this podcast goes up and I will email you an electronic copy of the depression workbook. I will do that. So, so when we, when we publicize this podcast, you know, tell people there there's a surprise because if they're, if they listen and they talk to us, they get a copy.
0: Yeah. And just to let you know, before, while, while we're talking about it, uh, yes. My Twitter is At James Prescott 77 And yours is
1: At the Sarah Fader so, But you have to tweet both of us Yes it Can't be one So it's at James Prescott Spell Prescott for them It's P
0: R E S 77
1: 77
0: Yeah, at James Prescott 77 And the Sarah Fader
1: At the Sarah Fader uh, on Twitter and so if you tweet us and say hey I listened to this and I want a free ebook of the depression workbook we will give it to you
0: yep yeah, we will
1: we, we will do that we, we will. will
0: that's done yeah we,
1: we might even say something funny in the email you never know
0: yep yeah, you never know you yeah. never
1: know and you don't know if it, it could be James sending it to you it could be me it's a surprise you need to send
0: us your email as well in a tweet by the way give us your email we need you tweet. to email
1: us. we need your we need your email so you have to send that to us somehow yeah so find a way. Yeah. We believe in you. We believe in you.
0: So not so, tell, tell them why they should why they should get this book.
1: Yes. No, that's yes, let's move on to that. So the depression workbook is something that you can do from your home, from your bed if you can't get out of bed, because you know how depression is. It's very awful. Yeah. And yeah. it's
0: about
1: it's it's based on cognitive behaviour therapy and it's about finding ways to get through being depressed that you have control over. So depression has a lot of negative thinking attached to it. And when I wrote this book, I wrote it with Dr. Simon Rigo, who is a specialist in cognitive behavior therapy. So we worked really hard to show people that they can, hearing these negative thoughts, have the power to change the way that they're thinking. A lot of times when, you're, when you have your inner critic going wild and saying, you're a loser, you're a failure, you're never going to amount to anything, it's hurtful. But you can can have that thought and say, oh, I am labeling myself. Because one of the cognitive distortions is labeling. So if you think I'm a loser, you go, I'm labeling. And what evidence do I have that I am a loser? And there are worksheets in the book that help you to work through those negative thoughts. Another example of a cognitive distortion would be generalization. So let's say Mm -hmm. that you uh, were late to a party and you thought, I'm always late to the party, and I always disappoint people. Do you think that's true? You always do that. Mm, That's
0: actually not true. Yeah, always. Very big word. Like, I I know exactly. I know exactly about this. This is, this is. I do. I've done this a lot. I've done this a lot. Yeah,
1: everybody. But see, that's the thing. Most people, and I was gonna say everybody, but that's a generalization. Most people do that. Yes. yes, Exactly. Yes. Exactly, right? yeah. It's... Most people do it. And then I catch myself in my writing, I want to say always or never, but then I stop myself. Yeah. Because it's not always or never, it's sometimes, or in many occasions, or yes. some, you yes. know. I yes. mean, because, yes. where is there proof that something's never going to happen? No. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, it's like when you,
0: know? it's like when you get your heart broken, you think... How am I ever going? To, I'm never going to find anybody else. I'm never. Which going is to which
1: anybody. is, and, and there's no which proof of that. Which is that's actually not true. There's, there's no proof.
0: There's no evidence for that at all. It's you know like it's just there's just no evidence for that. You can't. There's no
1: evidence. It's exactly. not true. It's and a that's, lie. that's yeah. and that's important to remember. We do not know. I don't care how intuitive and psychic you are. You cannot know the future. You do not, and that's actually another cognitive distortion. Is fortune telling. You don't know what's going to happen. You may think you have an idea, but you don't actually know. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people surprise you. I did that today. I said to somebody, I think I know what you're going to do, but I don't know what that person's going to do. Yeah. That person could surprise me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can can be intuitive,
1: right? And you can think you know you don't know. I don't care how many people tell you that, you know, you don't know. That's not to say you shouldn't trust your intuition. Sometimes people do things and you have to pay attention to their behavior and recognize when somebody is a toxic person and recognize when they are doing things that are hurtful to you. And sometimes you've got to draw a boundary and say, I'm not going to tolerate that. And I don't want to be around you. Hmm. You know, I mean, there's that. But. You know, there's so many things in the book that, like, another cognitive distortion is should. Like, I should go to the movies with my friend, or I should call her back, or I should do this. I should be successful. I should blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Should isn't helpful because you are making yourself feel guilty about something that you are not doing. Where is it written that you should be doing this thing? It's not. Mm. It's not. I mean— yeah, maybe you're behind on your work. I should be doing my schoolwork. Why? How mm. about how about I need to do my schoolwork? Yes. It's going to make me feel good to do it. Yes. I'm gonna feel so accomplished when I do that.
0: Yeah, uh, you're right. There
1: is absolutely no reason to say the word "should." Okay. The Depression Workbook is is very helpful and it's something that you can do if you have a therapist on the side or, you know, like in addition to, mm-hmm. or you can do it on your own if you don't, you're not in therapy and maybe therapy is cost prohibitive and you can't afford it. Or um, enough, oh, another thing I should mention is I work now for the company BetterHelp.com and they are a virtual therapy company. So if you live in an area where you don't have access to a therapist or you you know, you have social anxiety, check it out. Virtual therapy is amazing. Um, but anyway, so the depression workbook, I, I will, if, if you tweet me and you're interested, I will send you a signed copy of it too. Um, you know, you, you know, it's, I, it's, it's not expensive. It's 15 bucks and I'll send it to you. But anyway, I hope that people uh, can get, I, th- I hope people get help from this book. I, I think it's extremely helpful. I'm a little biased though, because I did write it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I think, but, I think it's great. I mean, people have, have, have reacted positively to it. They've said it's helped them. And that's really what I care about. I mean, I, I, that's why I've given it away so many times, because I'm not making money off of this book that, like, really, realistically. I mean, I did get mm. paid pretty well to write it, but that's not what I care about. What I care about is people getting help, you know. And I think however I can do that, I want that to be what what their end result is people getting help
0: yeah and i know that that's something you really really care about and i'm I, getting to know you the last year or so i i know for sure because you've been um such a help to me um i'm so glad
1: I, I love working with you and uh, and i we need to get back to the book coaching thing because i want to i there's there's a there's a graphic novel i want to write and i'm really stuck and i need your help with that. by the way guys i don't know if you know this but james does like incredible book coaching
0: yes i do um actually i do yes you can get that on my website um jamesprescott.co.uk slash coaching um so um yes i do do that and i would love to help do a graphic novel that would be awesome because yeah, i we have love to talk about
1: it. It, it it's a um it's a love triangle and one of the characters is a graffiti artist
0: oh wow sounds really interesting we and talk they're, about they're all, all sorts on this yeah, podcast they're, they're
1: all teenagers but the thing the thing is that um, i love what i love about your coaching is that you are very sensitive and empathetic and you understand what it's like to have writer's block hold yes, on i do yeah. Um, that's the way the point the point is that i i I really i'm so glad that you're my friend like you've been so helpful to me and i hope that people i hope people like check out your coaching i i feel like it's so helpful to have somebody like cheering you on when you're writing a book or telling you like this is a great way to do it or maybe have you thought of this because we get so wrapped up as writers in our own heads that sometimes we can't find our way out of there
0: Mm, you're right oh I know that <laughs> getting, getting wrapped in my own head is um yeah um you can really get lost in your own head if you're not careful because a lot of writers yeah. are introverts so we tend to overthink things um right it's of, true and a lot of people who have anxiety and mental health issues are overthinkers as well because that's where remember when, comes we, from. Remember
1: when we, we did overthinkers anonymous
0: the hashtag yes we did yeah that was um, really
1: fun I mean, and that's, and that's something that, you know, I was just on the phone with my um, this guy that I'm seeing, and I was telling him, I'm sorry I'm overanalyzing this again. I'm sorry I'm overanalyzing this again. But I feel like it's so hard. Like, when you have that uh, personality where mm. you love to analyze things, it's like you don't even notice you're doing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is so true. And I still do it now. I, you know, I'm learning. I mean, the thing, one of the things I've learned in the last year, and I've, my next book is going to be a memoir about how I've kind of, kind of deconstructed and reconstructed my myself, and you know done a lot of inner work and stuff from my past and working things out. And um, but one thing I've learned is is how to uh, manage my responses to anxiety and depressive moods and that kind of thing. And they tend to pass a lot quicker than they used to, um, and I tend to deal with them a lot better. Um, right. And one thing I really want to say to people actually is that just to give people a bit of hope is that you you can do this you know if I can do it other people can do it really it it takes time it's a lot of work but it can really um it can really change your life it can really help you manage this stuff that's going on in your brain and when when you realize that it's just something your brain does and you just can and you have the power to manage it um it can be really healing and really helpful so um, I think
1: that's a really great um that's a really great way to look at it. And I think sometimes people just need that encouragement and that's what I think is so great. And also as an aside, you know, um, I do coaching as well. So, you know, you're going to win either James or I, we are, we will help you. Yes, you know?
0: we will. We will. We will. So is there anything like just to, just to kind of, I guess, to, to close like this, it's been such a good conversation. We have to do this again. Um, I know we
1: definitely do. And I, I, I would love to have you on, on the podcast as well again. Um, I feel like it's, uh, it's really helpful. Uh, Let's see, how can I put this? Um, I think it's helpful to be patient with yourself. You know, I think one of the things that I learned in terms of depression and, and really any other mental illness, I was just talking about this with a friend of mine. Uh, I do tarot readings as a part of the way that I help people. And I, I think that the mo- one of the most important things that we can do for ourselves is self-compassion. When you're feeling depressed and you're like, I just want to die, right? Because people have that thought. They do. You think to yourself, wow, it must be so hard for you to have that thought. That's so painful. I am so sorry that you're feeling that way. You say that to yourself. Because what happens is we do that for other people. What about you? What about your pain?
0: Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, it does. Yeah. So, what, like, if what would be one thing you'd want to say to people to kind of people who are struggling with mental health issues, people who are um, struggling with getting to get to get a diagnosis, people who are just facing mental health challenges? What would be something? That, I mean, from your experience, that you'd want to say to them to kind of give them hope and encouragement.
1: I think the, be- the best advice I can give you is that uh, you know your pain more than anybody else, and it- and don't let anybody tell you who you are. Mm. That's that's one of the best things I can say is that, y- and you are you are not your mental illness. You are someone who is having these these uh, symptoms, but you are not a walking diagnosis. So just remember that. Everything in your life is not related to your diagnosis. Yes. Like, I am not anxiety. You, James, are not depression. We have, have dealt with these issues, but that's, that's what I want to remind people, is you have a multitude of wonderful qualities that are not your illness, and your illness is something you manage.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. That's so encouraging. Thank you, Sarah um And thank you for coming on today. Uh, I really appreciate it, and it's always nice. Thank to you talk so much. And, and you know what?
1: You, uh, feel free, guys, to follow me on Twitter at the Sarah Fader. And remember that if you want a free copy of the ebook for the Depression Workbook by me and Simon Rigo, D- Dr. Simon Rigo, tweet us you should tw- tweet us. We need tweet at James Prescott P R E S C O T seventy seven and at the Sarah Fader
0: with your email address and why you want the book. Why, we want it's to
1: know, know why. Yeah. We want to know why. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe we should make a hashtag for this. Uh let's see. <laughs> How about what? Something about why. Uh why, need,
0: to think. why I need the depression workbook.
1: <laughs> why I long. need the depression workbook. <laughs> that's yes, too that's long. good. Okay, uh, so so give that so give the, so, give the ha- so put the put the ha- if you want, put the hashtag why I need the depression workbook.
0: Yeah, and then with us, tweet with us in it as well. Our our, right. our Twitter handles, and then what it is in one sentence, and um, and then yeah, with your, and give us your email address as well, and then we'll, yeah, we'll do it. We'll sort it out. So uh, get in touch. You, ne-
1: you never know. You never know. We could even send you a, a hard copy. Yeah. If we like your answer.
0: Yeah, that's right. If we like it, we'll um, we'll be the judges. And we we'll will decide. be the judges. Yes, we, we will. will.
1: We will. We, James and I will talk about this and we will decide if you have put thought into this answer.
0: Yeah, and when I promote this podcast on social media, I'm going to mention this competition as well. So, uh, I think
1: I think you should. We will yeah. both we will both mention that you need to pay attention to this podcast because there is a competition and we want to know who will win.
0: Yes, we do. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Well, thank you James.
0: Yes, thank you for coming on, Sarah. Really appreciate it. Um, absolutely that's it for this week everyone and uh take care and enter that competition